Welcome to Hence the Future podcast. I'm Adam O'Cronin, and today we're going to be sharing 21 predictions for the year 2021. This includes not only my own predictions, but also some predictions from friends of the pod, Michael Kipp, our life sciences expert, Brett Ewer, our political expert, and Justin Clark, our data science expert. And in preparing for this episode, we came up with way more than just 21 predictions. So we've pared down that list and group them by topics such as economic predictions, political predictions, and other. So what you're about to hear is the creme de la creme of what we believe will happen in the next year of life on planet Earth. Our first prediction is that the price of a single Bitcoin will exceed $100,000 by the end of the year 2021. Now already, uh, currently, the price of Bitcoin is around $27,000, $28,000. It's increased tremendously just over the last few days, and at the current rate of increase, it would be far beyond $100,000 by the end of 2021. But it's not going to just keep going up at the same rate every day. There will be days where it will go down dramatically. It could go down as much as 20 or 30% in a single day. But I think that time will prove that the people who focus on aggregating as much Bitcoin as they can and holding on to it and not selling, not trying to day trade with it, those people will prove to be the savviest investors in the next year and far beyond the year 2021. There's a tweet recently from the CEO of Binance, a big Bitcoin company, where he says, Bitcoin will be the biggest FOMO experience in the next 10 years. Don't be last. And I see this in my own personal network right now, where some of the smartest people are still not willing to get in on Bitcoin, not even willing to put 1% of their assets in Bitcoin, because they have this notion of it being unsafe, and they still have the more traditional approach of, hey, I need index funds, I need bonds, I need diversification. And I think a lot of these people are going to be proven wrong once they see how much Bitcoin goes up. And all the people who've been holding, who are true believers, those people will have the biggest gains in the year 2021, just like those people had the biggest gains in the year 2020. And Naval Ravikant had a tweet that is relevant on this topic where he says, it's not so much Bitcoin going up in value as it is the dollar going down in value. And when you think about what's happening in an abstract level, there's all this money that all the wealthy people of the world have been holding in traditional banks and cash reserves and things like bonds and stocks and mutual funds and 401ks and Roth IRAs. A lot of that money is getting shifted into Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies because they don't rely on any central corporation or central government in order to back the currency. It's backed by the protocol itself. It doesn't depend on any centralized control. That's why it's decentralized. And I couldn't be more bullish on Bitcoin. Everyone in my family and my close friends, I've been trying to tell them that they need to just start buying a little bit of Bitcoin each week. And for Christmas, I gave uh, 100,000 Satoshis to my close friends and family. And that wasn't very much at the time. It was, you know, $23 or something. But it's already $28, so it could grow a lot. And so I, I very much think Bitcoin is going to be here to stay and it's going to become mainstream in 2021. Another thing I'll say about Bitcoin is that it has so far to go. Right now, the market cap of Bitcoin is $500 billion, which sounds like a lot. But when you compare that to the market cap of gold, it's only 20% the market cap of gold. And so eventually, I believe Bitcoin will equal or exceed the market cap of gold, meaning all of the people holding gold, if you added all that value together, it would be the same or less than what the market cap of Bitcoin is. And let's say they're just exactly equal. At that point, one Bitcoin would be worth $140,000. Now, Bitcoin could go much further than just equaling the market value of gold. I mean, how many people hold how much of their wealth in gold? It's not that much. Most wealth is held in fiat currency, in dollars, in pesos, in yen. And if Bitcoin eventually has a market cap equal to all narrow fiat currency, meaning all liquid dollars and pesos and yen and liquid fiat currency, 
then one Bitcoin would be worth $5.4 million. The last thing I'll say on Bitcoin is a prediction from Justin Clark, where he believes Elon Musk will do something with Bitcoin in the year 2021. And he, Elon shared this meme the other day where it's this priest who's praying and he's being tempted by this mistress. And the caption is me just trying to live a normal, productive life. And then Bitcoin is tempting him. So clearly Elon is considering doing something with Bitcoin. And he's one of the main people leading our cybernetic collective into the future. When you look at what he's doing with space and with electric cars and with brain machine interfaces and the boring company, he really is one of the people that is creating the future uh, in the most levered way possible. And he's now the second richest person in the world behind Bezos. And he may become the richest person in the world in 2021. So I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't integrate Bitcoin or crypto somehow into his own businesses. Maybe even it's just as simple as you can pay for your Tesla in Bitcoin. Or maybe when he starts to set up a Mars colony, it's all based on, on Bitcoin or on the crypto, some crypto standard. And I think once that happens, once the second richest person in the US leads by example in regards to Bitcoin, I think that will be a massive shift where other deep pockets will put even more of their money into Bitcoin and the price of Bitcoin will go up. So that's overarching predictions in the Bitcoin space. Number two, housing predictions. Before we get into what is likely to happen with the housing crisis and the looming evictions that may happen in 2021, let's first set the stage and look at the sequence of events in 2020. Congress passed the CARES Act where they gave the $1,200 checks and they had unemployment benefits and they also put a moratorium on evictions. However, that doesn't mean that the rent didn't still accrue during that time. So they were essentially just kicking the can down the road because, yeah, you might not be able to be evicted for several months, but you still have to eventually pay every one of those months rent at some point. And so at the end of July, it was clear that we were still in the pandemic. The economy hadn't gotten much better for the average American. And so they extended that eviction moratorium until New Year's, January 1st, 2021. Well, guess what? We're almost at New Year's and there still hasn't been much of a decision made on what's going to happen. Is everyone going to get evicted? Because it seems pretty clear people aren't going to be able to pay all of that back rent. Now, there is a new bill that Congress just passed and it went to Trump's desk and that would kick the can down the road a little further to the end of January, January 31st, 2021. But Trump hasn't signed it yet. He wants the $2,000 checks. They haven't been able to figure that out yet. So here's what I think is going to happen. I think there will be a massive eviction event that will occur and U.S. tenants currently owe more than $70 billion in back rent. This could leave 40 million Americans homeless. And in a typical year, only 3.6 million Americans are evicted. So we're looking at 10x the normal rate of eviction in a single year. So this is pretty big as far as the economic impact of what this could mean for the country. I also looked at a map on Bloomberg, which showed that about a third of renters are not current on their rent payments. So one in three Americans hasn't even been able to make rent these last few months. Maybe they're paying some rent, but they're not paying all of the rent. And so I think basically what's gonna happen is there will be an eviction crisis, but the government isn't gonna leave Americans out to dry because that would be politically terrible for whoever, whatever government's in power. And so that will lead to more relief packages which will kick the can down the road further. They will extend the moratorium further and they'll have more ways of giving direct payments to people or more sorts of benefits. And this will essentially accelerate how quickly the dollar gets devalued because we'll print more and more money to give to people to kick the can down the road further. And it will accelerate the adoption of Bitcoin and other equities. And unfortunately, this means I believe it will lead to more inequality because once there, all these evictions happen, 
all the people with a lot of money are going to buy up that cheap real estate so they can flip it or invest it or become landlords or whatever else. And all the people who don't have any money are either going to be homeless or they'll be dependent on the government. And so I think the only path forward is going to be the following. First of all, there's going to need to be a massive infrastructure project to build low income housing. I think this is the perfect kind of thing that the Biden administration could actually do pretty well. And it's been a major issue in places like San Francisco where they fought building more housing for years. And now the city is in a terrible position because you essentially have a very small elite group of people that can have this really expensive housing. And then you have all these people out on the streets. There's drug problems, there's crime, there's all these break-ins. So in order to avoid that sort of scenario for the whole nation, we're going to need a massive infrastructure project with low income housing. That's not going to solve the whole problem. I think eventually we're going to need to switch to a universal basic income type of model where everyone gets some amount of money and they can use it for whatever they want, whether that's housing or healthcare or food on their table or to start their own business to be self-sufficient that's going to eventually be the right solution. However, I don't think that's going to be what happens in 2021. Now let's talk about number three, our economic predictions, which is related to the housing and eviction predictions. Universal basic income will be seriously considered in 2021, but it will not be implemented in 2021. This is a prediction from Kip. And I agree with this prediction wholeheartedly. I think we will start to see some positive effects from the studies of UBI in 2021. For instance, there's one study in Compton, California, where they're giving 800 Compton residents some amount of money per month for 18 months, and they're going to see how it impacts their lives. So we're not going to have the full results in 2021 because it only just started, but we will start to see some of the impacts. And I believe based on the studies we've seen historically, the impacts will be really positive. So I think there will be people like Andrew Yang, it'll start to become more mainstream to be pro UBI, but it's not gonna have enough support to be mainstream enough where there will be full-fledged UBI. And so I think unfortunately that means we will balloon the welfare state. There's going to be more bureaucracy, more means testing, more proving, yes, this person is poor, this person can't find work, this person is not poor, this person can find work. And the problem is that that has really bad incentives. So when you look at the current incentive system, if you're a really poor person and you're getting welfare, every week you're getting a payment or every month you're getting a payment from the government, you will lose that welfare once you find a job. So you're incentivized not to find a job because why would I work hard to get a job that pays the same amount as, a jo- as the money I get by not having to work at all? So that, is, that basically keeps you in this trap where you have to prove you're poor so it becomes part of your identity that you can't find work and you get welfare, you become dependent on it and you're not incentivized to get out of that hole. On the flip side, I think a lot of people on the far left will push for wealth taxes, even though the evidence shows it has not worked in other countries, it has not worked in the past, and it disincentivizes wealth creation, and it just leads to all of these loopholes where, okay, if the U.S. is going to tax like you know 5% of everyone's net worth, well, there's a lot of ways to hide what your net worth actually is. You might sell things to shell corporations that look like they're pro-social, but really they're not pro-social. You could move money to offshore accounts. You could move away from the United States altogether. So I think while billionaires and tech companies will continue to be vilified, I think ultimately those solutions, whether it's a wealth tax or ballooning the welfare state, neither of those are going to work. The solution that will work is universal basic income where everyone has a floor. The other reason why I believe UBI is the inevitable solution that will eventually occur, perhaps by the year 2030, but not by the year 2021, is because that's the solution that leverages the wisdom of the crowd. Why would you think that you know better 
how people should spend their money, whether it's on food, shelter, starting a business, whatever else, than the people who actually have these issues. It's the same kind of thought process where we have all of this money in relief packages, but only a small sliver is going to the actual people. Most of it's going to corporations who have all these strings attached. They can only take the money if they keep people on payroll, or they can only use money for this and they can't use it for that. Rather than having all these administrators deciding how many food stamps people should get, or who deserves a tax break on housing, or who deserves some startup capital, you just give everyone some amount of money per month to create a new floor of dignity so no one goes below that floor and then people can decide for themselves what's the best way to spend their money. And this is, I think would be really beneficial for the economy because when people have money to spend, especially people who are less wealthy, they're going to spend it immediately right back into the economy. So rather than doing the trickle down approach where you do tax breaks for the wealthy and usually it doesn't trickle down. It just leads to them putting more money in their investments, which balloons the markets more. You give it to the people who actually need it, and then they spend money on businesses and the whole economy will run more efficiently. And you're also eliminating a lot of the pressure that is in agencies that deal with things like homelessness, like drug abuse, all of these problems result from people not having a floor they can depend on. And we live in a wealthy enough society now that I believe we should guarantee everyone some level of human dignity that they can depend on. And that's why I think this would even be a better first approach than healthcare, because again, you're not just deciding, okay, let's fix healthcare for everyone. Instead, you're giving a solution that is flexible, that can adjust depending on what people need for themselves. Not everyone has a massive medical expense that they have to deal with right now, just like not everyone has a drug problem they have to deal with right now. And not everyone is in an abusive relationship that they can't escape because they depend on their spouse for, for money and child support. So all of these problems can be flexibly solved through UBI. And I want to be very clear, I'm not saying we do UBI on top of the welfare state. So I'm not saying we have all of our expenses and then also we give everyone $1,000 a month. I'm saying we eliminate all of the bureaucracy, all the middlemen, and we just have direct payments to people. And I believe that's where we will land, but you know, not going to happen 2021, probably will happen by 2030. Now let's talk about number four, our vaccine predictions. We believe that the vaccine will be seen as a major win. And in 2021, especially by the summer, there will be a sort of summer of love energy and the new roaring 20s people will talk about. There will be a resurgence in travel. Brett Ewer believes there will be record travel numbers in the holiday season of 2021, so one year from now. I think that is pre pretty likely. However, I still don't think there will ever be a time where the CDC is like, all right, everything's fine, go back to normal, no risk of COVID anymore. And the reason is that there's always going to be new viruses emerging, there's going to be new strains of coronavirus, the virus will continue to mutate. There's going to be questions about how long the vaccine remains effective. There will be all these edge cases of ways that you can tra transmit even if you have been vaccinated. So I don't think there's ever going to be a time where they're like, all right, we're all good now. Don't worry. Go back to life as it was before. And because of that, I think when we do see this resurgence in travel and in-person things like music festivals, even if there's smaller music festivals and comedy shows, even if there's smaller comedy shows and all of these ways that people get together in person, it will be a younger crowd than it was before. I think people who are older and people who have pre-existing medical conditions will continue to be more reclusive in 2021 than they were prior to COVID. And I think there will be an increase in the public debate over whether the government can compel people to get vaccinated. We've already started to see that a little bit. And I think there will be some picking up of the slack from private institutions. Like, I would not be surprised if air, airlines uh, require that you show that you got vaccinated in order to fly. That's a prediction from Brett. It might also be that some restaurants or other sort of 
clubs may also require that you show that you've been vaccinated. Uh, but regardless, I think we're going to see a major resurgence with in-person things like yoga classes, travel, hotels, Airbnb, all of that is going to come back, certainly by the summer of 2021. But it's going to skew younger. It's going to skew people who are healthier, younger, and less older people and people who have pre-existing medical conditions. Number five, medical predictions. We believe that there will be major advances made not only against COVID, but also against other viruses and diseases thanks to the new mRNA treatments and also thanks to advances with protein folding algorithms through AlphaFold. So I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't cure malaria, HIV, certain forms of cancer, and possibly Alzheimer's. And I also believe there will be major advances made in the anti-aging space. We've already seen some major, uh, major advances with mice. We may start to see some human trials. They won't be widely available yet, but I think there will be some really interesting advances made. And I believe we could have some serious anti-aging treatments by the year 2030. 2021, it will still be mostly research and development. Number six, climate predictions. We predict that there will be major climate catastrophes in 2021. There will likely be another wave of climate refugees as a result of hurricanes, droughts, famines, earthquakes, fires, and other natural disasters. I think it's quite likely there will be major climate disasters in the United States. You know, people have been talking a lot about Miami as a new tech hub. One of the problems with Miami is that it's right at sea level and all of that part of Florida is pretty much right at sea level. So I think it's quite likely that we could have a Hurricane Katrina type of scenario. However, we do seem to be better prepared than we were in the time of Hurricane Katrina. So I think our response will be fairly good, but there will it will still be seen as a major issue. And another prediction I have with climate comes from Michael Kipp, who studies this very closely. He believes 2021 will be the hottest year on record. 2021 will be the start of a trend where the total average global temperature will be one degree higher or more than the previous average temperature as defined as what we saw between the year 1950 and 1980. So the world is going to keep heating up. And unfortunately, even as we fight climate change by switching to renewable energy and decreasing our carbon footprint, so much carbon has been emitted already that we are going to continue to see the temperature increase and climate become more and more of an issue in 2021 and beyond. Number seven, transportation predictions. At the same time as we're seeing the climate change issue become even more and more important, I think we're going to see a lot of progress made on the transportation front. So I believe, and Kip also has this prediction, we will see more than 10 million fully electric vehicles on the road in 2021 for the first time. So going electric will be mainstream. It's not going to be like in the last few years where, yeah, some people drive a Tesla, some people drive a Prius, but it's still a pretty niche community of EV drivers. What we're going to start to see in 2021 is where it's more normal to have an electric car, even if you're buying a Ford Mustang or a GM pickup truck. It's going to be less normal to buy a brand new car that is a gas guzzler. And one interesting trend in the transportation front is that I think the cost of oil will actually get cheaper, even though it's becoming more and more expensive to extract oil. A dollar today is worth more than zero dollars tomorrow. And a lot of these oil companies are realizing that 10 years from now, there might not be any demand for oil. So they're pumping it out and giving it into the market really cheaply so they can derive as much profit as they can while they still can. So that's going to be an interesting trend and it'll be good for our energy independence. I also think we will have full self-driving cars tested on the road without drivers. We've already started this and we're pretty much going to have, I think, self-driving technology ready in 2021, but it won't be widely available until 2022 or 2023. I think by 2023, I feel pretty confident that we'll have full self-driving where you just punch in a number, 
or a destination, whatever. And then it just takes you there. You don't even have to touch it. You don't have to worry. And you have the peace of mind that your likelihood of getting in an accident is lower when you enable self-driving mode rather than in manual mode. I also think we're going to start to see a separating the wheat from the chaff where the companies that are able to deliver self-driving cars and fully electric cars that perform well and that people love, those companies will thrive in the new future. Whereas companies that aren't able to adapt, we're going to see a lot of those companies go out of business in the next couple of years. Number eight, remote work predictions. Most businesses will either stay fully remote in 2021 and beyond, or they'll switch to a hybrid model where let's say you have to spend two to three days in the office, the rest of the time can be fully remote. And very few businesses will go back to a fully in-person experience. I also think that the fully in-person experience companies will not perform as well as the companies that either go fully remote or switch to a hybrid model. Number nine, startup predictions. I believe that there has been a major shift from 2020 to 2021 where the new economy is actually replacing the old economy. And because of that, I don't believe many pre-internet businesses will survive post-2020. So if you're a business that started when the internet was around, think companies like Apple or Amazon was an early website where you could buy books online. Those companies will be able to survive and thrive. But companies that came before then, like General Electric is, I think, one of the longest lasting companies that definitely predates the internet. All of those older companies are going to have a really hard time adapting because it's just not native. And some of them will be able to adapt. But I think, by and large, the companies that were pre-internet are going to have a really hard time post-2020. I also think 2021 will see a massive culling of the herd as far as the companies that embrace things like automation, AI, decentralization, companies that embrace storing their reserves in Bitcoin rather than dollars and bonds. Those companies will succeed, whereas the ones that have a more traditional approach are going to start to fade away. I also think there's going to be a major blossoming in the decentralized finance space. And I think in 2021, a prediction is that there will be the first major DeFi app that's not purely financial in nature. So imagine a decentralized social media app where you can start your own social media channel and it's all verifiable on the blockchain and total anonymity, but it's all tied to a blockchain address. Or it could be a decentralized blogging app, like imagine Substack, but built on the blockchain and totally decentralized. Or something else, like maybe a decentralized gaming app. I don't know what it will be, but I believe in 2021, the first major non-purely financial DeFi app will emerge in the world. And this will start the trend of every business being rebuilt on the decentralized blockchain. Number 10, AI predictions. It seems pretty clear that in 2021, businesses will accelerate their adoption of automation and artificial intelligence for two reasons. One is that it will make their businesses more efficient. And we saw a massive economic upheaval in 2020 where some businesses had to close, other businesses had less demand for their products. So everyone has been tightening their belts and this, I believe, will accelerate the adoption of automation and AI to make businesses more efficient. The other reason is that by choosing automation, you are limiting human-to-human -human encounters. Therefore, you're limiting the potential of getting a disease. So switching to contactless payment, no contact delivery, being able to order from a robot like Cafe X rather than having to actually hand over a nasty little crumpled up $1 bill to a human being and transfer your pathogens to them. This is going to be seen as important reasons for adopting this technology. Whereas pre-2021 in 2019, 2018, it was seen as sort of insensitive to go to a robot type of future and lay off all your employees. But now I think with the health concerns, 
that's all thrown out the window. People are going to adopt AI and automation pretty much as fast as they can do it profitably. Another interesting area to look at is in natural language processing, in 2021, there will be a model with over 1 trillion parameters. So it's key to look at some previous examples so we can understand what this means in context. In 2019, OpenAI published GPT-2, and that was the first natural language processing model that had over 1 billion parameters. So it had 1.5 billion parameters at the time. In 2020, OpenAI dropped GPT-3, which had 175 billion parameters. So it's an order of magnitude greater. And I think the Transformer arms race will continue in 2021, where there will be the first publication of a model with over 1 trillion parameters. It's quite likely this will come from OpenAI. It'll be GPT-4. It's also possible it could come from another company like Microsoft, NVIDIA, Facebook, Google. And what's important here to understand is that a parameter is basically all the different ways you could look at a problem. So if you're trying to predict what word comes next in a sentence, how much information are you drawing from? Are you drawing from all of the Encyclopedia Britannica? Are you drawing from all encyclopedias ever created? Are you drawing from the entire internet? So the more knowledge you can draw from and the more times you can learn from this process, the better your output is gonna be. So I believe we're gonna see some really mind-blowing publications in the AI space in 2021, but we will not have achieved full artificial general intelligence in 2021. I think that will happen by 2030 in the next 10 years, but I don't think it'll happen in 2021. Number 11 space race predictions. We predict that China will successfully land on the moon in 2021 as part of their project for opening a lunar base. And this will heat up the space race even more than it's already been heated up. We also predict that SpaceX's Starlink program will become available in 2021, so it'll go out of the beta testing phase. And this will allow anyone in the world to access the internet. And this is really important because it decreases the amount of power and the stranglehold that governments and corporations have over people around the world. And instead, anyone can basically tap into this satellite-based internet. And yeah, governments and corporations will ban users from using it, but anyone who's savvy and uses a VPN, there are ways you can find around even the great Chinese firewall, especially once we have this Starlink in place. So this is going to be massive for history. And in 2021, it will be implemented. We also predict that SpaceX's Starship program will have some major successes in 2021. And just as a reminder, Starship is the project which is meant to bring humans to Mars in 2024 to start a Mars colony. So we already saw one Starship test flight that ended with an explosion, but there was no one on the ship. I think we're going to see more successes and we're going to really start to think towards, wow, this Mars colonization is really going to happen. And the benefit of that is we're going to start to look at our own civilization in a different way. Because when you're building a brand new civilization, it makes you rethink all those fundamental questions like, what should our monetary system be? Maybe it should be crypto based. Or what should our government system be? How should we make new laws? Uh, what are the best ways to build housing? All of these questions will allow us to rethink our current civilization on Earth and will lead to tremendous innovation. Number 12, U.S.-China predictions. I actually believe that U.S.-China relations will improve in 2021. And the reason is that I think 2020 with the pandemic, we realized two things. One is we really need each other. There are certain things that we depend on China for, like PPE and vaccines and pharmaceuticals. At the same time, we also realize we can't be totally relying on them. We need some independence. So I believe as a result of this, we will continue to experience the great decoupling where the world will split into China's sphere of influence and the United States' sphere of influence. 
And this will continue, but I believe it will happen mostly in a behind the scenes, peaceful sort of way. I think China's sphere of influence will grow in areas like Asia, Africa, Eastern Europe, and even places like Canada and Australia. I believe the U.S. sphere of influence will grow in Latin America, Western Europe, and places like Japan and Israel. But I don't think there will be any major conflict between the U.S. and China in the year 2021. Number 13, Latin America predictions. One interesting trend I'm seeing right now is that many people from Silicon Valley are moving to Miami. And I believe because of that, Miami will become the epicenter of Latin American trade with North America. Already, Miami plays the same sort of role that Singapore plays in the East, where anyone doing business in Asia, they go to Singapore to do business. It's kind of this neutral ground where all the leaders can get together. In the same way, I think Miami is going to be the new epicenter for trade and relations in the Latin American world. And this is important because it's a nice counterbalance to China's whole system of manufacturing and trade that happens in China and Asia. Rather than relying on that supply chain, we can instead rely on a supply chain based in Latin America and we can side trade agreements And I believe because of the VC talent and tech talent in Miami and because of our newfound motivation to be more self-reliant, we are going to have much closer relations with Latin America and we're going to see more companies open up manufacturing centers in places like Mexico and other countries in Central and South America. Number 14, tech hub predictions. In 2020, we saw this massive exodus from cities like San Francisco and New York to other areas that are less expensive for real estate and that have overall just a better quality of life. They're less crowded. Maybe they have better weather. And many people flock to cities like Miami, Austin, Los Angeles, Sacramento, even Madison, Wisconsin. These cities continue to grow in 2021 based on our predictions. And I think right now we're in this sort of interesting transition state where in the past you pretty much had to be in one of these big cities in order to get VC funding or be taken seriously as a company. That's no longer going to be the case in 2021. It may even be cooler to be in some random city in Wyoming or Montana because VCs and investors will see it as an actual benefit because you have cheap housing, you can recruit people, you don't have as much competition for the same talent pool within your little geographic area. You have the whole world's talent pool to draw from. And I think this will also be interesting to see how politicians respond. We saw one California representative say F Elon Musk, and he replied message received. And then he ended up moving to Texas and taking essentially all of his tax dollars from California and moving to Texas. And instead you had the mayor of Miami say, how can I help in response to tech workers asking for better conditions? So I think the main shift in 2021 will be a flip where you used to have all the tech people wanting to live in the great cities. I think in 2021, you're going to see all the great cities want the tech people. So they're going to cater to them and want to give more benefits. But ultimately, I think it will result in better governance because the politicians will have to answer to the actual value proposition their city is making to the workers and sovereign individuals of the world. Number 15, Europe predictions. Unfortunately, I predict that Europe will fall further behind China and the United States because they rely too much on overregulation. And anytime you create all of these artificial constraints, It makes people less willing to do business there and it makes it less easy for people to innovate and start their own sort of startup. So I think a lot of the red tape that Europe has been implementing is going to end up being bad for Europe's economy. And I think because of all this red tape and regulation, decentralized technology will actually become more quickly adopted in Europe. Now, some countries within Europe are doing great. Sweden is one of the best examples of a country that is great for entrepreneurship and innovation. That's where Spotify was started. That's where Ikea was started. And so I think what one trend we're going to see within Europe, which is similar to the trend we're seeing in the United States, is that 
the countries that are best for innovation and that have the best policies combined with the best quality of life, people will flock to those countries. And countries that have too much red tape, too high taxes, those countries will see people leave. And ultimately, I think this is going to be a good thing because countries that are seeing people leave will have to adapt and they'll have to improve their offering in order to compete. And the, those countries are also going to learn from the countries that are doing a really good job. So it's almost like this massive A-B test where we can see the different policies countries have and what result that has on their business, their innovation, and then all of the countries will start to adapt accordingly. Number 16, Russia predictions. We predict that Russia will become more democratic in 2021. Even if it doesn't fully implement a democratic government, I believe the people will demand more democracy in 2021 than in the past. And the reason is that the hold that Russia has over the economy through oil is fading. Oil is becoming less important. And what's becoming more important in Russia is cyber efforts. Things like cyber attacks, cyber defense, overall innovation in development and engineering, decentralized technology. It's really amazing how good the people in Russia are at the internet and at everything related to cryptography and cyber space and computer science. So I think because this is the predilection that people in Russia have, I think it will be one of the countries that is on the forefront of adopting decentralized technology. And that will lead to less and less power held by the government of Russia and also by the Russian mob. And so I think also based on the attempted assassination of Alexei Navalny, the other candidate for Russia, people are already wanting to have more of a say in their government. And I think that trend will continue in 2021. Number 17, Middle East predictions. Similar to what's happening in Russia, I believe we will see the Middle East become more democratic in 2021. And the reason is that the young people of the Middle East are not as conservative as their forebears. I think people in the Middle East who grew up on social media and they have internet access and they consume popular Western media, they will be more progressive in nature than the people who have been in power. And similarly, where in Russia, all of the power, a lot of it derives from the oil and the fossil fuels that the government controls. In the Middle East, a lot of that power is also fading. The West is no longer as dependent on oil and fossil fuels. And the more that the energy sector shifts away from fossil fuels and towards renewable energy, the less power those governments have. So I believe that the unsolvable problems in the Middle East will become more and more solvable in 2021, even if I don't think they're going to be fully resolved. I think we will make some good steps in the right direction. Number 18, political predictions. It seems clear that Biden will have a lot of quick wins in early 2021 because he can do a lot of things by executive order. So we are going to see a lot of momentum and things like re-signing the Parrot Climate Accords, undoing a lot of the damage that Trump did as it relates to the environment and the EPA, putting the right people in power. There will be many executive orders that will be seen as an instant win in 2021. However, those can be changed by the next person in power. So what really matters is what can be done with Congress. And Brett predicts, I think aptly, that Biden will be stonewalled by the Republicans and that it's unlikely there will be a major relief bill in the spring because suddenly deficits will matter, the budget will matter, people will not want to spend too much money, especially if you're a, if you're a Republican. I believe and I, I would predict that Biden will get one major policy implemented with Congress in 2021. It could be health care. It could be infrastructure related. I think one of those two is probably the most likely. I also think moderation will continue to be a win in 2021. That to me was really the main lesson of this last election that people wanted a moderate president, but they also wanted moderate Congress. There wasn't the blue wave that we thought would happen. 
So while I think the main trend of moderation will continue in 2021, I think the crazy far left and the crazy far right will continue to get most of the attention on news and social media simply because that's what's the most high arousal. That's what will get the most clicks and the most engagement. But it will be an outsized example of what the average American actually wants and actually believes. Another interesting trend, I think that we will start to see a new moderate version of the Republican Party emerge, something more like what Mitt Romney believes in or John Kasich, and that will start to be seen as quite different from the Trump the Trump branch of the party, which is staunchly conservative, very nationalistic, and that will continue to have much sway. So I think we're going to see sort of these two different versions of the Republican Party emerge, and then it'll be a question of which one wins the nomination in the next election four years from now. Number 19, education predictions. I predict that in 2021, many second and third rate colleges and universities will go bankrupt. They will go under. People are going to be more decisive about where they're willing to spend their dollars. And I think there's been a little bit of a disillusionment with the amount of debt that people go into in order to get a college education and the benefit they actually derive from that education. So I think we're gonna see more people move to alternate education options like the On Deck Fellowship and Lambda School. And we are gonna see some traditional universities adapt well and maybe they go fully online or they're just known as having the best online course in one particular topic and that's what they start to dominate and then people can choose the best courses from all different universities it doesn't all have to be under the same umbrella so i think universities that are able to adapt and shift and try out new business models including income share agreements where you don't put a tremendous amount of money up front and then have debt that you have to pay out over time Instead, you don't pay anything up front and the institution takes some share of your future earnings. So they're actually incentivized for you to do really well in the working world and therefore you've aligned incentives. I think those universities and educational institutions are going to do really well. But the traditional tier two, tier three, a lot of those universities are going to go the way of the dodo. Number 20, energy predictions. In 2021, there will continue to be major gains made with renewable energy efficiency. More people will drive electric cars than ever before. More people will install solar panels on their roof than ever before. Batteries will continue to improve. And oil will continue to get cheaper and cheaper. So I think there will be less of an energy burden on people than in the past. And there will also be greater energy available. So the energy use per capita could actually go up in 2021. I think nuclear energy will become more tenable as an actual solution because the popular opinion on nuclear energy has shifted over the last few years. People are less terrified about something like Fukushima or Chernobyl happening because the technology now is much safer and it's much more efficient. So I think we will see a resurgence in nuclear energy in 2021. I think it may be the case that we have a major breakthrough with nuclear fusion technology in 2021, though I'm not sure that's the most likely. I think it will happen in the next few years, maybe not next year. I also think that de decarbonization will gain major momentum and major support in 2021, especially as big companies pledge to go carbon neutral by a certain date. They're going to need to invest in decarbonization in order to make that actually realistic. And despite all of these efforts, we still are going to see the average global temp go up and up. And so it will continue to be a more and more dire problem for us to solve. Number 21, hence the future predictions. For this final prediction, I'll give you a little preview of what's going to happen in the world of hence the future in 2021. We will, of course, continue to put out one new episode every week. We will continue to have great guests on the podcast. I think we already have a few really awesome guests planned for the new year. And I really believe our predictions will largely be proven to be correct. I've been pretty amazed at how correct our predictions have been so far, whether it's about Bitcoin or the election or climate change or the pace of artificial intelligence. We really have made some tremendous predictions. So it's been a humbling experience for me. And it's also just been so fun to 
experience reality and all of the changes that it brings with you guys every week. And I hear from you. I hear you guys on social media. So if you want to continue this journey together, I would definitely recommend subscribing to our email list. You can find us at hencethefuture.com. Follow us on social media at hencethefuture, Instagram, Twitter, and would just love to continue this journey with you. And 2021 is going to bring about so many awesome predictions. Whatever challenges we face, we'll face them together. We will find a path through. I wish you a happy new year. And here's to 2021. The past, the present, and the future. If you enjoy thinking about the future as much as we do, we invite you to join the HTF community. Simply go to hencethefuture.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and add your email address next to the button that says, Enter the Void. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at hencethefuture. And, most importantly, we encourage you to please rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Our team reads and appreciates every single review. Thank you again for listening to today's episode and for staying curious, and we'll see you next week.